Hi, this is Timothy Zahn, author of Thrawn, and you're listening to Execute Chapter 66. Hello and welcome to a very special two-year anniversary edition of Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we discuss canon, legends, and beyond. And for our anniversary, we are going to talk about the most legendary of all the legends. We are taking it all the way back to the start of the expanded universe with Heir to the Empire. My name is Beth Van Dusen, and with me as always are Ryan Schweck and Chad J. Schonk. Over to you, Chad. This is your reminder that this is a book club and not a review show. We are going to spoil this very, very old book. So you've been warned. Over the course of our conversation, we may also discuss anything else Star Wars, spoil anything else Star Wars. So you've also been warned about that. Ryan, what say thee? All right, let's get on to the news. Just as we start, I do want to acknowledge uh, Alan Land Jr. passed away. Yeah, he was. What? Yeah, did you hear about that? No, no, I didn't. He did. Oh man! So you know, he was the head of 20th Century Fox, or I guess back then it was just was it just 20th Century back then? He wasn't the head of it. He was well, just yeah, he was the executive. But without him, there would be no Star Wars. He was a no. a big. He was the one that helped greenlight Star Wars after every studio, including his own, had passed on it. Yeah. So. And also is the one who agreed to give George Lucas sequel rights and merchandising rights. <laughs> God, can you think of how much money they lost on that? <laughs> so over in video games, you remember Eclipse where we had that big reveal trailer and it was real awesome. So they have announced that it has gone under massive delays and will now possibly come out in 2028. Oh my God. <laughs> So we're going to have to buy whole new consoles by then. Yeah. If you've followed Star Wars games in the past, you most likely realize Star Wars Eclipse will not be coming out. <laughs> like no. There's, no. there's just no way. Why would they drop a trailer like that? Why uh, don't they just wait? Why don't they just wait till they actually have a fucking game? They should, you know, like, it, like, like you can take, you can get any animation house in the country to sit down and put it together a trailer like that. Like wait till you have a damn game. Well, I'm like with you don't Fallen Order. You don't put too. out a movie trailer when you put out a movie trailer. You've shot the movie, right. whether it turns out well or not. That's up to the movie gods. But you've at least shot a movie. Uh-huh. This this whole idea of announcing games seven eight years before they can might come out. Give me a break. I'm sure we'll play that when we get to play thirteen thirteen and many yeah. of the other games <laughs> that have come and gone. Over on the fake hollow. Now, this barely qualifies as fake hollow because it's being reported by reputable sources. Lindolf has a Star Wars movie in development. Damon Lindelof? Yep. Hmm. And it's coming out through pretty reputable sources. This isn't like a, you know, rumor you see on We Got This Covered that it looks like he is going to make something. So I, I think they're going to start looking at the movies again. Yeah, Good for him. They came out, uh, what's his name, Stackpole is going to help on uh, Rogue Squadron, which I think is really cool. Really? Yeah. He is wow. He is a consult on there officially. Oh, that is sweet. Yeah, that gives me some good hope for that movie. Over on the old Disney Plus side, you know, where all our money is right now, Christopher Lloyd will now be in Star Wars. 
which I'm super excited about. He's going to be in Mandalorian season three. I can't wait. Look, he was a badass in Nobody. My favorite Christopher Lord story is at Dragon Con when he came down to uh, karaoke. And it was late. I don't remember what time, but it was when they were doing ACU karaoke in the uh, Hilton lobby. Remember oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah. He promptly came downstairs. That was a long time ago. Yeah, he came downstairs, sat in a chair, and then went to sleep. <laughs> and so, like, <laughs> there's just, like, this crazy Dragon Con party going around him, and there's Christopher Lloyd asleep in the chair. It was magical. <laughs> Great Scott! Over in the Bad Batch, uh, it does look like the Bad Batch is going to get delayed a little bit. Initially, I think people thought it was going to be a May release, um, and it looks like they're possibly putting it off till summer, maybe the fall. They have confirmed there is a time jump between the seasons and we're gonna see a more grown up Omega. My name's Omega. Uh which I'm kinda happy about. Yeah. You know, kinda do the Ezra thing. And it'll have a larger cast. And something I thought was interesting, they are filming this season with a full orchestra. So the music is gonna be really big on this one. Apparently from what is being said, Disney really likes what they're seeing out of the Bad Batch and are sinking a bunch of money into it. It's still Kevin Kiner. Mm-hmm. And then the biggest Star Wars news since we last recorded, the Obi-Wan trailer has dropped. The fight is done. We lost. It has. Uh, We could probably talk for hours about the Obi-Wan trailer. but just to hit some of like the bigger stuff that's come out, they did come out and say in the early drafts, Maul was the bad guy. Obviously, he has been removed, but I'm glad they went away from that. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad they went away from it just because it would have contradicted Rebels. Right. right. And that's my big thing. Like That moment where they see each other again would not have near the same impact if they left Maul in it. Then the biggest controversy from the Obi-Wan trailer that has ignited the Star Wars message boards is... Do I even want to hear it? It's the Inquisitor. The oh, people don't like how they how he looks. Yeah. They're very, very angry about this. That, you know, he doesn't look like a, a Poe. Yeah, people are mad. But then what I think is interesting is they've revealed um, the cover for... Uh, Star Wars number 25, the comic. And it looks like Disney overall is going to make that the look. So if you look on the cover, he doesn't have that big skinny head, just like he looks in the Obi-Wan trailer. But man, it is hilarious watching how angry people are about it. How, how, I mean, you expect an exact replica from animation to real life? Really? I mean, what they're mad about is like, well, they look this way in Attack of the Clones and they don't like Fifth Brother because he doesn't look exactly the same, you know. But overall, the trailer is awesome. I don't don't care. I just watched a a breakdown (laughs) trailer where somebody tried to translate all the Arabesh and and half of it says like milk and market. (laughs) Uh, I thought the trailer looked super cool. Yeah, I loved it. I did um, too. And we're finally going to get, well, we've seen her, but now we know who the third sister is. She's one of the missing numbers that we don't know. So yeah. that really just leaves four now, I think, that we haven't seen. So, yeah, so that's all the news we have this evening. What is going on in the many, many comic books that have come out? Yeah, since we missed an episode, I got a few comic books to talk about. Um, I'll start off in the High Republic. 
So we got Eye of the Storm number two of two, um, which is uh, written by Charles Sewell. Uh, it's got more about the origins of Marchion Row, and it tells us a bit more about the leveler creatures, actually quite a bit more. Um, but it refuses to give them a name, a proper name, um, or really show them because they're still teasing them. But uh, you got to read Eye of the Storm. You just kind of got to. High Republic Adventures number 13, uh, the final issue of the IDW comic. The series will, of course, move over to Dark Horse when Phase 2 begins. But now, for now, the book is done, ending with a long coming knighting ceremony and leading directly to the events of Midnight Horizon, which we'll talk about in two weeks. Also, uh, High Republic number 15 by Kevin Scott is also the final issue of that book until Phase 2 begins. It finishes off the story of what happened in the top half of Starlight Beacon during its fall. This is the end of the High Republic Phase 1 comics. They're done. There will be no High Republic comics, I believe, until Phase 2 ramps up. In retrospect, especially this final wave, um, it turns out that the main book and the adventures book are both essential reading to get the whole story. You have to read. If you want everything, you kind of have to. Yeah. In non-High Republic books, we have Star Wars number 21. Uh, comes back to the story of Shara Bay, Poe Dameron's mom. Uh, as she is hiding in the bowels of a Star Destroyer. I had forgotten that storyline, but thankfully Charles Sewell has not. We have a new series, uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca by Mark Guggenheim and David Messina. It's a brand new ongoing following Han and Chewie's early years working for Jabba. A pretty good premiere issue with an ending that could be a very big deal, but is most likely a big fat fake out. Crimson Rain number three by Sewell and Cummings. Crimson Rain rolls on, this time telling us the tale of the mysterious character known as the Archivist. It's an interesting way that Soul is telling this story, focusing on different characters for each issue. I'm excited to see how it comes together or if it comes together or if it just kind of bridges cleanly into the next series. I don't know exactly what the end goal is, but there's still a couple issues left. We'll see. Darth Vader number 21 by Pack and I and Echo. Vader continues his hunt for Crimson Dawn operatives within the Empire. And at the end, he enlists a very unlikely ally. And by ally, I mean hostage, but she's going to have to work for him anyway. Dr. Afra number 19 by Wong and Jung. The race is on for more ascendant technology. Uh, we get some backstory about Afra's latest rival. And Domina Tog starts to suspect that the good doctor isn't quite on the level. No shit. What? Last and certainly not least, Halcyon Legacy number two by Saxon Silney. Uh, this time, uh, we follow the greatest hotel, I mean, space liner ever built. Call now to book your two night stay for an immersive Star Wars experience during the time just before the Clone Wars. It features Aura Singh and the worst bounty hunter of all time, Zam Wessel. Oh, Zam. <laughs> Real quick, speaking of the old Halcyon, have you seen the reports that it's underperforming? I've read no. terrible reviews. So you can get rooms. Like, it's not sold out. There is apparently trouble at Disney about this thing because it's so expensive and people aren't doing it. So my hope is they're going to lower the prices and then I'll go. So to celebrate our two year, I can't believe it's been two years, uh, anniversary of the show, we thought we would start by looking back over the past year and talking about just, you know, what our favorite books were, new ones we revisited, and maybe some of our favorite moments from the show. Um, so to get us started, Beth, what would you say your favorite new book you read over the last year was new book I read or 
Book I read for the first time. Book you read for the first time. Okay, okay. Um, I thought long and hard about this, and I went with Dark Disciple, because I don't know if I would have read that if not for us doing it on the show, and I'm really glad I did. Even if we weren't doing a show, I would have enjoyed this book. It was dark. It was way mature and sexy for a cartoon that it was originally intended to be a part of, but it was characters that we didn't get to really see anywhere else and didn't get to find out anything else about Ventress when the Clone Wars came back. So I enjoyed getting some closure with her. I think she deserved that ending to her story. And it was it was just overall much better than I'd any expectation of it being. So it was kind of my surprise of the year, I guess. It's a great book. Uh, it may have been uh, an honorable mention on my other list because I had read it before. Mm-hmm. It's masterfully done in the way it takes these episodes of television and, and turns them into a novel. And, and like Beth said, it's it's got to be the most mature Star Wars book ever you know, written. And I don't want them all to be like that, but I like that that one is like that. Mm-hmm. So what was your favorite new book to you that we read this year? I can't believe I'm going to say this. If you would have asked me like a month ago, but I, I sat down and thought about it real hard. And I think it's Rising Storm. Huh. Hmm. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Listen, my heart says it's a lesser evil. That's what my heart says. Well, I knew, I knew Schwecker you would take that one. So that's why I didn't go that route. Well, I went with Chaos Rising last time. So I was trying to, you know, not just go back to back Thrawn. But it's not just that. What I love about Rising Storm, it's perfect in the way that it kind of sums up High Republic. And I really like the High Republic. It's got these great, uh, great heroic moments, obviously a great catastrophe that you can see coming. But what I think is most brilliant about it is the setting. Setting it at a World's Fair helped me understand where in history this is set, if that makes sense. Like when I think world fairs and big expos and stuff, I think turn of, turn of the century America, right? I think, I think 1900s, um, you know, those big world expos where they, they first unveiled electricity, you know, things like that, right? This, this turn of the century type world's fair. And that to me is in the se- semi distant past. And so I like the fact that in this, by setting it in this, what feels antiquated by our standards, it makes the higher public feel like to me, it's in the semi-distant past. And I kind of now have an idea that the higher public is kind of like turn of the century America. Mm-hmm. Like that's where it is in its story. Yeah, it's got that like optimism and that yeah. the future is opening up and we're becoming a big world together. And- it's, it's hopeful. Yes, it manages. It, it, it's still it's still hopeful in that that book. Um, and I, I think it just it edged out Fallen Star to me just a little bit because of that, mm-hmm. um, because of that aspect of it that I thought was very. And, and while obviously you start the book and you know what's going to happen at the fair, I've never seen that in a Star Wars book before. You know, it was a really cool, you know, this kind of almost Jurassic Parky nature to it, you know, <laughs> where yeah. nothing can possibly go wrong. And, and yeah, I don't know. I, I, it just kind of stuck out to me is, is the book that made the most impact on me, um, the, a new book at least. What about you? So I, surprisingly also, like I, I thought it was going to be greater good. And then I really looked at the list. And the one that has really 
I guess stuck with me and kind of made me think more was Victory's Price. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to say Victory's It's on Price. my honorable mentions. I, you know, obviously it's, it, it was no secret how much I love Alphabet Squadron and what they were trying to do. But the end of Victory's Price, I think, was so different than what we had seen before. The emotions of it. And I, I just thought the end of it was really powerful. Um, and that's really stuck with me more than other books have. I, I know, Chad, you didn't like it as much as Schweck and I did, but I, I also got really caught up in the uh, finale of this trilogy. It was really good and very well done. It was extremely effective. Yeah, I thought so too. I, and you're right. I don't love that series, but no, I thought the finale was really good. I do want to be clear. I think Lesser Evil is the best book we read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I will agree with that. Pound for pound, it's the best new book that we read. But there was something about Rising Storm that just kept popping to the front for me. But I do think Lesser Evil is the best thing we read. Well, I had a tough time with this list because only three books we read in the last year were new to me, or not new to me. There were three books on here that I hadn't read before, and that was it. So I had a lot yeah. to pick from. So going to ones you have read before, what was your favorite out of those? Well, it would have to be Catalyst, because of this list... <laughs> I think probably all three of us are going to say Catalyst. The books that I... Oh, actually, I'm lying. It was four books. The books that I had read before were Phasma, Leia, Catalyst, Tarkin, and A New Dawn. Okay, that's that's it. Those are the only books I had read before. So everything else that we did in the last year, all those books were brand new to me. So it was pretty easy choice. Um, I, I also... I think what I liked the most about rereading Catalyst was the way we did it in, in reading all three of those Rogue One books together really made it hit different. And plus, I also then watched the movie. So all of that together made it feel a lot different than if I had just, when I had just read this book kind of on its own without any other reference points around it. Chad, what about you? Well, I almost went with Dark Disciple. But I actually ended up with Darth Bane Path of Destruction. I love that Darth Bane trilogy. The book, reading it again, I hadn't read it since it came out. It really kind of took me back uh, uh, and, and made me very nostalgic for it. I think I liked it better than I did the first time around. Bane and, and the, it, you know, the series that comes from it. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm a huge fan of the character. And I think that first book really stands out uh, from them. And, and this as someone who's interested in the Sith and interested in their philosophies, this kind of telling of the the origins of the modern Sith, I thought was really uh, compelling even the second time through. Yeah. Mine's not going to be very exciting because I had catalyst and path of destruction (laughs) 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 for for all the same reasons y'all said they're both just such strong books. And like you said, Bane, Bane is one of those. It's always nice to go back to a book you liked a long time ago and find it's just as good and still interesting. Like, even though I knew what was going to happen, I was still really engrossed in it. Yeah. No. I mean, listen, Catalyst was was on my list. Tarkin was on my list. I, you know, uh, I wanted to mention Tarkin only because I remember being very, very disappointed in Tarkin the first time I read it. Me too. I don't know why. Me either. But I was. <laughs> and um, But reading it this time, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm glad we reread that one. And uh, Darth Bane was on my short list. 
but that was as a book new to me. So again, when, when I finally sat down to read it, I was like, why haven't I gotten around to this? So kind of moving from the books, I guess, you know, we can talk about just some of your favorite moments, either. We also talked about the shows this year. Yeah. 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 The shows or things from the episode, just anything from the past year that stuck out to you about star Wars. The first one I had was just, I mean, as far as like things that are, are, um, that felt like big moments that we experienced through what we were reading or what we were listening to or watching. Uh, the first one that caught me was the um, destruction of starlight. Um, but especially Elzar's dooming of starlight beacon. Um, I thought that was maybe the most shocking thing I read all year was that, that moment where Elzar strikes down. I don't forgive me. I don't remember her name. Um, right before she actually saves everybody. Oh, Ch- Chancy. <laughs> Chancy. Chancy. Yeah. And um, and that to me was at least the most shocking moment of the year when it came to the stories. I was I was absolutely stunned by it and did not see it coming. <laughs> Jump in. So one of my favorite Star Wars things for the past year is, is actually something we did on the podcast that amuses me to no end was the constant Bell is not okay, <laughs> and then the shocking revelation that Bell was okay. You couldn't have written it any better. <laughs> like, I swear to God, I was having heart palpitations about this kid that doesn't exist all freaking year. And then the payoff was so good. Oh, it was great. <laughs> uh, Beth, what was one of yours? I, I guess I misunderstood the assignment. I wasn't really, and I couldn't really think of anything besides the destruction of Starlight Beacon that was truly shocking story-wise, because we have covered a lot of old ground this year. Um, so really, like, the new things that we've read, other than Alphabet Squadron, have been a lot of pretty much almost all High Republic stuff. So Fallen Star, of it's course. It's all High Republic yeah. and Thrawn. Mm-hmm. That, that kind of really sticks out to me. Um so I just went with stuff that I enjoyed from what we did with it. And uh, I I still will never, never not call Thrawn character, sorry, Timothy's on, by the names that we made up for them. Because <laughs> I still laugh when I think about talking about Linda and Mark. <laughs> well, you know, those names are difficult. <laughs> they are. And I'm sure that Timothy Zahn would not be amused and, and Gary wouldn't have gotten us that sweet intro he got for us if he had told him about the way we discuss his novels. But we call them that while praising the books. Yes, yes, yeah, we, are yeah, not, we are not. We are not. Anybody who hasn't listened to us cover those books, please be assured. Yeah, that trilogy is. It's so I good, but but those names are tough, and you know, yeah. and sometimes we got to lighten the mood by having fun with stuff. So, mm-hmm. sorry, the adventures of Mark and Sam and Admiral <laughs> Linda, <laughs> or now Zinda, <laughs> now Zinda. Damn it! <laughs> At least I can still do Zinda. That's fine. <laughs> that doesn't hurt me too much. I I just enjoy the fun we have with stuff like that. The High Republic has been really interesting in ways that I don't know that I was expecting to like it as much. And I, I think the controversy over the high Republic and, you know, there's a lot of fans out there that really dislike it um, because it is so different. Um, you know, 
they have they have kind of modernized some Star Wars stuff as far as gender and relationships. And I feel like the High Republic has taken the lead on a lot of that, um, which makes sense because it's allowed them to introduce a whole bunch of brand new characters. So rather than, you know, taking a character that was established and, you know, God forbid you change somebody at all with Star Wars fans, but but that opportunity has kind of let them change not just those kind of identities, but it also feels like the writing style has kind of been updated, if that makes sense. Like for a long time, the EU, when you read it, felt like the EU, you know, even between different authors, you know, there were differences, but it always kind of felt the same. Yeah. Kind of like Marvel. Yeah. And the high Republic, I think has really changed that. Um, I really like the marriage that the high Republic has also done between the middle grade and the young reader and the adult books and how the story, you don't have to read it all, but if you want to know it all, you kind of do. Um, and the comics too. As it, turn, as it turns out, the comics are vital. Yeah. They didn't always feel that way, but it turns out that they are. Yeah. And I, I think it was a big bet. It, it's, it's definitely ambitious. Well, well, going back to my point, I think what you're talking about with the way they're presenting the characters, they're, they're trying to present a time of uh, higher enlightenment. Mm-hmm. You know, that, and that's part of it, I think, is that, that – um, they can kind of use that as a time where same-sex relationships and, and non-binary beings were more accepted in this enlightened time, mm-hmm. you know, than than in the time we see later. So I think that's part of their. Uh, yes, you have a lot of younger writers working on it who work in this genre, who work in young adults, and who you know, and in, in, um, queer stories are very popular in young adult fiction. And so I think, um, and hey, maybe if you put it in a Star Wars aspect they won't get banned from school libraries <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't bet that yeah, I know. um i had um my favorite moment of the year was when um arlani uh told all of uh uh when or arlani stopped the fight <laughs> between a bunch of uh uh different family ships and jen just basically put them in timeout so <laughs> loden's death i thought was a pretty big yeah, yeah. That, that was on my list the minute you mentioned it. I was like, Loden. The minute you guys start talking about Bell, I was like, God damn it. <laughs> one, I wanted to make sh- one I wanted to make sure to bring up, because it's not from a book, but the destruction of Topoka City uh, on Camino mm-hmm. on, oh, at the end yeah. of the Bad Batch was huge. And, 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 and as we talked about at the time, oddly powerful, despite us not really caring about the Caminoans and us not really – it still ended up being somewhat powerful. Um, and then the last thing I wrote down was Cad Bane on TV. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am looking forward to, as Beth kind of mentioned, um, luckily this year we have a bunch of books that aren't about the Thrawn or the High Republic. <laughs> yeah. All we read, the only new, new stuff that came out last year was Thrawn, High Republic, and Victory's Prize. Mm-hmm. There, that was, those were the only new books because Queen's Hope got pushed. Um, we're, now we're getting... Obi-Wan books this year and and stuff and we're getting the Han and Leia um, travel on the most luxurious um, ocean liner 
or most luxurious starliner that's ever flown. By the way, if you'd like to, you can book a two night stay and it's a fully immersive experience. You and, don't say uh, why, why, it is. why is this the first time I'm hearing hmm. about this? The walls and dome ceiling were covered with flat paintings and planets. A few of them vaguely human looking, but most of distinctly alien origin. Various sculptures were scattered around, some freestanding, others on pedestals. In the center of the room was a double circle of repeater displays, the outer ring slightly higher than the inner ring. Both sets of displays, at least from what little Pelion could see, also seemed to be devoted to pictures of artwork. And in the center of the double circle, seated in a duplicate of the Admiral's chair on the bridge, was Grand Admiral Thrawn. He sat motionlessly, his shimmery blue-black hair glinting in the dim light, his pale blue skin looking cool and subdued and very alien on his otherwise human frame. His eyes were nearly closed as he leaned back against the headrest, only a glint of red showing between the lids. Pelion licked his lips, suddenly unsure of the wisdom of having invaded Thrawn's sanctum like this. If the Grand Admiral decided to be annoyed... Come in, Captain, Thrawn said, his quietly modulated voice cutting through Pelion's thoughts. Eyes still closed to slits, he waved a hand in a small and precisely measured motion. What do you think? It's very interesting, sir, was all Pelion could come up with as he walked over to the outer display circle. All holographic, of course. Thrawn said, and Pelion thought he could hear a note of regret in the other's voice. The sculptures and flats both. Some of them are lost. Many of the others are on planets now occupied by the Rebellion. Yes, sir. Pelion nodded. All right, well, let's get into our book of the evening. 1991 was a dark time. The nation was at war. Five months ago, Saddam Hussein started this cruel war against Kuwait. Tonight, the battle has been joined. A recession was looming. Color Me Bad was considered the height of music. And Star Wars had faded from popular culture resigned to basement Comic-Cons. And not the awesome Comic-Cons of today, but the old-school, smell-bad, sketchy video booth in the corner at the third-worst-hotel-in-town Comic-Cons. In came Timothy Zahn with plans to write a Star Trek book. Bannon Books, however, had a different plan and came to him about Star Wars with Heir to the Empire and the true extended universe began. Set five years after the Battle of Empire, Endor, excuse me, the Empire is now being led by Grand Admiral Thrawn, desperately trying to hold on to the last remaining systems. Our heroes struggle with setting up the New Republic, going between a more militaristic view and trying to broker peace with Leia pregnant with twins, Chewie and Han trying to sh- solve shipping issues, and Luke being sad because his force ghost grandpa that he'd known for 30 minutes was gone for good. Thrawn locates and makes a deal with clone Jedi Jorus Koboth, 
It's important to say the two used to identify a clone. In order to help his war in exchange for trading Luke and Leia, using force-blocking Yalsamiri to protect himself. Thrawn sends his Nagiri to capture the Skywalkers while starting rumors of Kaboth to draw Luke out. Thrawn plans several raids, almost capturing Leia in the process. Luke learns of the Dark Jedi and the Clone Wars. He went to Dagobah. Following there, he finds that the Dark Side Cave has a device in it he never noticed and has a vision of a red-haired woman looking at him over the sands of Tatooine. Hanalea visit Lando to see his sweet new mining operation, and Luke shows up investigating the transmitter. Of course, that's when the Empire shows up and steals some of the drills that Lando is using to mine. Our heroes split up with Leia and Chewie going to Kashyyyk and Han and Lando going to the planet of, and I can't say this one, how do you say it? Mariki? Merkir? Yeah. The base of Card and home of the Yasamari and the employer of Marijade. Card also has captured Luke, who is following rumors of the Jedi. Luke's able to escape, right as Thrawn and the Empire shows up, and then crashes with Mera, who is in pursuit. Card hides Han and Lando and also keeps the information that Luke is there from Thrawn. Meanwhile, on Kashyyyk, Leia is protected from the Wookiees after several and Jerry attack, and she eventually captures one and learns that they serve the Empire because they love Darth Vader, and he's their savior, and therefore they will now refer to Leia as Lady Vader, which is something that totally should have caught on and been her name from then on. Luke and Mara travel through the jungle, having to protect themselves without the Force, where we learn that Mara wants to kill Luke because she was the hand of the Emperor, and he thinks he ruined her life. Thrawn figures out that Luke is there and sets an ambush. However, they're helped by Han, Londo, and Card, and the gang, who finally choose a side. Lando gets blasted in the process, and so they head to Sluice Van to get medical attention, where they find Thrawn attacking the shipyards with his cloaking device, and Lando's minor drones, an attempt to steal the ship to bolster their fleet. Lando uses a remote control to shut them down and destroys the ships, and Thrawn retreats. The heroes worry about the New Republic leader, Phala's reaction to all the ships being destroyed, and at the same time, Leia returns to Coruscant to find that Admiral Akbar has been arrested. To be continued. So first of all, man, this book is good. <laughs> It really is. It's it's not a complex plot. I mean, it's pretty light, but it's so good. I don't know. It, it it's weird going back and seeing where all this started. Mara Jade, Talon Card, Paleon, Borskfela, Winter, even freaking Ghent. God, I miss these guys. Mm-hmm. And it was so great to go back. I have not read this book since 1991, since it came out. This is the first time I've gone back. I've, re- I've read the comic a few times in the in between. But this is the first time I've read this book since 1991. And you're right. It's very good. It's very It's simple. But he manages to pack in so much lore 
and new ideas about Star Wars that that still felt at home. By the way, being given nothing to work from. Yeah, except for some role playing games of here's here's what you might want to reference. Yeah, he was given the whatever existed that at that point of the West End role playing games, which I, I have all those books too. And they're chock full of information. So they're actually the real foundation of the expanded universe. He had very little to go on story-wise. And I think he crafts something that, and managed to create a character with Thrawn that is obviously stood the test of time. Mm -hmm. Well, and even before they started working his ideas into the new canon, it was, uh, there's very little in here that, really has like would have to hundred percent be completely retconned to make it work. Yeah. There's a few things here and there, I think with the cloning and stuff, but yeah, there there's small things. And I mean, they're even doing, a, they're doing a lot of cloning right now in Canon. So mountainous is back. Like it's true. It's true. It's a little different, but it's back. Yeah. Yeah. We we now have to read Outbound Flight because the real Joris Sabaoth is on Outbound Flight. We'll we'll talk about that later, but I think we're gonna I think we're gonna end up reading all these books. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, uh, I I wasn't expecting to. I was expecting to just read this one for the anniversary for our two year, and then uh, just kind of like, hey, cool. Um, but immediately after reading this, I wanted to read Last Command. Yeah, me too. It's I think I read this seven years, seven or eight years ago. I read it right before, like two, three months before Dragon Con because I knew I was going to be trying to get an interview with Timothy Zahn. Timothy Zahn so I reread this real quick going into Dragon Con, but I didn't reread the other two. So I haven't reread the other two since they came out. There's something about it that's still, and we obviously, you know, if you listen to this at all, are not sequel haters or Disney canon haters or anything like that. There's just something about this story that still feels right like yeah. it feels much more naturalistic that this is what happened after return of the jedi that like aftermath doesn't feel that way like and i love aftermath everybody knows i love aftermath but i don't know just the the characters like his han feels more like han than any other book he does a great job with Han. Mm-hmm. now he does have a habit in this book, and I can't blame him, but he does have a habit of quoting the movies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Characters will will revisit their classic lines every once in a while. Mm-hmm. He, he acknowledges um, that, but he also says that that's um, the banter that couples would have and, and old friends would have is bringing up past events. No, and I think it's it's usually in that vein. Yeah. And, and it doesn't ever feel forced. I mean, what did he show us in this book for the first time? We saw Kashyyyk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've never seen Kashyyyk And it's before. freaking terrifying. <laughs> it is. We saw Wookiee Claws, which are frightening. Yeah. I don't yeah. like Wookiee Claws. No. <laughs> I mean, I get they're arboreal, but ding, put that away. I want to think about Chewie walking around with a set of those. Uh, and, you know, at around the same time that in current canon, Boba Fett is taking over Jabba's Empire, we have Talon Card, you know, and these characters that I listed, like, it's not just that they're in this book. They're in the next 50. Mm-hmm. You know, all these characters are really important, except for maybe Ghent. But the rest <laughs> of them are all important characters that you're going to be reading it that we read about for like 20 years. That's what I missed. It was like seeing it was seeing them for the first time, seeing Mara Jade for the first time. I know she can be a divisive character, but 
Uh, I was I very much welcomed her in this book. Mm-hmm. I was very happy to see her. My one of my complaints about the book, this book, um, man, we complain about small a small galaxy in other books, but in this, they are constantly just running into each other. No matter <laughs> how far apart they go, they're just always <laughs> like, oh. Oh snap! We got Luke in the shed out there. We better go move him because Han and Lando are here. Oops! And before that, he independently, Luke and Han decide to go see Lando independently. Yeah, they're, and they're <laughs> underneath. Yeah, they're underneath the solar umbrella at the same time. It's like, oh, who's coming? Oh, it's Luke. <laughs> like, oh, it's yeah, yeah. It's a, there's a little too much of that for me. I run into right. somebody at Publix, and I'm like, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I hate to like lean on the nostalgia aspect because like Ryan said, this book is just good. It is just very good, but there was a very heavy nostalgia factor mm-hmm. in, in reading it that, um, that hit me pretty hard and brought back. I mean, I, I was like, as soon as Borsk Fela's name came up, I'm like, I hate that son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. And I don't even hate him for what he does in this book. I hate him for what he does like 10 years from now, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, these characters are around for a long time. Well, it, it reminded me too of of when they first started doing stuff in Rebels and Clone Wars, and and how happy I was to see that stuff start trickling in. Like Marg Sable, when did we see that? Oh, we first saw that here. Timothy Zahn invented that. It is it is worth mentioning that on the cover, and I still have my original 1991 copy. On the cover, it says book one of a three book cycle. Mm-hmm. I guess they didn't want to use the word trilogy back then. This book does end up feeling small and a bit anticlimactic, but I think that's obviously because it was planned to be just the first act of three and that that was already set in stone. So it could afford to not be because, because it doesn't stand alone really as its own book. Like you get to the end of it and like, yeah, the storylines that are in that are introduced in the episode are mostly resolved, but Thrawn is still a threat. Well, and the, the damn Bothans are a threat apparently, or at least that one Bothan is a threat. Yeah, good old Borsk. Yeah. <laughs> he told you he's a son of a bitch. He really is. Admiral Akbar is on trial for treason, as if. <laughs> but it is a fairly simple story and a fairly small scale. I mean, at the end, I guess it's not super small scale. They're like trying to steal a bunch of uh, uh, Republic ships. Mm-hmm. I had completely forgotten about the, the that the part of the storyline was that Han was trying to hire smugglers to work for the yeah republic that that's how the whole thing starts <laughs> i had completely forgotten that and they all give him trash for going straight yeah i heard you married a princess yeah i i did think it was interesting that zon didn't he was very restrained with the use of the force like he you know using the yasmari and all that like he kind of cripples luke where i think that if this happened today or if they, you know, we're restarting an EU today, I think we would see a whole lot more force and lightsabers and all that kind of stuff. And that's, you know, we know now that's kind of how Zahn is. Well, it's also, what did we have for reference? Mm-hmm. We had three movies. That's all he had, right? And if there's no other Jedi friend to be fighting, that's why he has to create Saboth, right? To give him another Jedi to fight eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there were no Sith. He, he made up dark Jedi because he didn't know what else to call them. You know what Sabeth doesn't have? A shirt. (laughs) (laughs) I was looking at that cover today. I was like, oh, Lord. (laughs) They make clones extra beefy. (laughs) I forgot how scary Rook was back then. Like, 
he was good. I mean, when they had him on Rebels, you know, he, he was good for when he came back. But in this, he's horrifying. Yes. Like, <laughs> they're just like standing there. It's like, and all of a sudden there he is. Like, he's a monster. Oh, yeah. Paleon goes to see Thrawn in that first scene. Uh-huh. And, and all of a sudden he just hears him. You know, and he just appears behind him. He's like, Paleon. He's like, <laughs> nah. stop doing that. <laughs> nah. Not cool. Um, but I do remember, I did remember reading that big twist and not quite even understanding it, I don't think, the first time. But the whole Lady Vader mm-hmm. twist and kind of wrapping my head around that. Because it relies on the fact that Vader helped somebody or at least perceived to have helped someone. It's just, it's so impressive to me how well this book works when he had nothing to go on. You know, and and how it and like you said, how the voice he nails the voices on the characters. Mm-hmm. He really does, and you know Han, yes, but but all of them, I think he does a great job. He said that he used to listen to the the movie soundtracks on tape in the car, and they put his kids to sleep in the back seat, so he listened to the movies, just the audio, over and over and over again to put the kid to sleep. So he had easy easy time with the voices and he he does he nails them yeah i mean that that's one of the things that stands out now is i and i think there are current writers that could probably uh take a cue from him mm-hmm. when it comes to that <laughs> heir to the jedi <laughs> <laughs> sorry i had something in my throat there's no bending spoons in this book <laughs> or eating noodles oh god damn noodles i had forgotten about winter yeah, I had two. Oh, I had two. Um, uh, Leia's kind of her handmaiden, basically. Mm-hmm. I, 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 one thing I did like though was you talk about Luke about the Force use. There is that scene where the Nogri first attack, and Luke kind of gets surrounded by a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And what Zahn is doing is he's taking Yoda's lessons to heart, and Luke is trying to do everything he can to not kill them. Right. Like he's, he, 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 that entire encounter starts with him trying to incapacitate them, starts with him trying to trick them, starts with him like not wanting to kill them. And it's only at the last second when he realizes that he has to get out of that room that he throws his lightsaber and cuts through all of them all at once, which was badass, which was real badass. But I thought it was interesting that he really kind of took that idea to heart that the Jedi are not, you know, you use the force to defend yourself, never for attack, you know. Um, and that that uh, killing people isn't always th- the way. Now he could have told you know Luke that before he massacred everybody on Jabba's sail barge, but <laughs> but I, I did like that that approach to Luke. I thought his Luke was was very good and, and very um, y- you know the the idea that the war like is just kind of ended, right? Has the war even officially ended? I guess it has, right? It has. I think it's a couple of years yeah. later, isn't it? I think at this point it's kind of stabilized. Like the empire has their kind of place they're hanging out and the new Republic has theirs. Yeah. This is the, 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 the million dollar question. Speaking of talking to Timothy Zahn, um, is this Thrawn matchup? Absolutely not. Thrawn? No, sorry. No, I think he largely does. Largely. Yes. But this is not a Thrawn who has friends. This is not a Thrawn who would take Eli Vanto under his wing or be nice to little Skywalker children. Now, is this a Thrawn, though, that, you know, say you kind of connect the two together? Is this a Thrawn that's kind of gotten hardened over the years? 
Yeah, but now that we've seen a chunk, a, we've mm. seen a big chunk of those years now. Yeah, but this time during the with the Empire, mm-hmm. right? Like his, they're still, I mean, how long is he with the Empire? 20 years? Yeah. Right? He comes in after the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. right? So he's, he's with the, he's 25 years into his service at this point. So he could become a different person for sure. I, w- I was just stunned um, when he pulled a Vader by killing one of his bridge crew. Well, I mean, the guy did a bad job of training. What else are you going to do but kill him? Right. Yeah, that didn't feel like modern Thrawn. No. At all. That was the biggest thing that stuck out to me was like, no, now Thrawn of the books that we're reading now, that's that's not the same person. Well, I also think it doesn't fit in with this book. I actually think that moment might be a mistake in in just this book itself, because I don't think Thrawn comes across that way in the rest of it either. Well, and even at the end, like when they're, you know, scared to kind of tell him about the defeat and he kind of says, well, but we learned some stuff. and. Right, right. Yeah. He doesn't choke anybody. So I thought that was a little, you know, so maybe it's maybe it's not a problem that he doesn't match up to this Thrawn. Maybe this Thrawn had some problems, mm-hmm. you know, and wasn't 100% consistent, you know. I can accept that because otherwise, I mean, that's that's the only evil thing that he does. Otherwise, he's just trying to do what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to go out there and get the Empire back. That's his job. He's not out there to, oh, I'm going to go get that Luke Skywalker. I'm the bad guy. It's He's not doing anything to anyone maliciously other than that one guy he killed. Now, I will say in the Timothy Zahn world, people know a lot more about the history of the Jedi than they do in other yeah. things. Leia is like going like, oh, yeah, that dark Jedi that ran out to Dagobah. Like <laughs> in the current canon, nobody would know anything like that. <laughs> they, they barely like, they're like, wait, Jedi, what the hell is that? <laughs> people don't, <laughs> yeah. And Leia's like, yeah, that dark Jedi that went out there and fought Dagobah. Have you ever been to Dagobah? Luke's like, yeah, I think I've been to Dagobah. <laughs> Conveniently, I have been to the same cave. <laughs> yeah, oh, that cave, yeah. the cave that's down by the big tree. Oh, yeah, I know that cave. <laughs> Although I really always have liked that idea that that uh, the reason that cave was full of evil is because Yoda defeated a dark Jedi there and it kind of left a presence and that's what shielded him. I always thought that was a fun idea. Yeah. Well, now he left a thing there. He left, like, what, his GPS there or something? His transponder. <laughs> he lost... Really, so he just he, lost, he dropped his keys. He lost his e- his evil keys. <laughs> By the way, where's Lobot? Lando just leave him with Cloud City? I guess. <laughs> he got a promotion. He's running Cloud City now. <laughs> I think this is before they established them as friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a Disney canon. He thing, he was really. just an employee at the time, he, and Lando wasn't the most conscientious of employers. I do think the end is a little <laughs> like the fact that they end up winning is because Lando remembers his Wi-Fi password. Basically, like <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. it's not like a resounding defeat of the Empire. <laughs> You're like, hey. no, it's not it, it, the defeat of the Grisk. It is not. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it definitely, but, but again, like you said, it's just, it's the beginning of, it's the end of the first act, mm-hmm. but man, I remember when this book came out and just devouring this thing mm-hmm. and not being able to get enough of like, cause every sentence was more star Wars than I had gotten in, in years. <laughs> and so every single sentence was just adding something new and something new and something new. And it, 
it felt really good to revisit it. I remember when I first read this thinking, well, no wonder we didn't get to go to Kashyyyk in the movies. It's not, it's not because it was too expensive. It's because it's too damn scary. <laughs> Do you think the Kashyyyks match up? Not a hundred percent. We didn't see a lot of Kashyyyk in, in the movie. Yeah. We've seen a lot of different versions of Kashyyyk. Yeah. We've seen it in video games. We've seen it, you know, well, it's the, never the video game Kashyyyk. I mean, in Fallen Order, this is a pretty tough world. Yeah. It's true. It's never as grand as it is in this book. Yeah. Like, there's straight cities up there with, like, two-story buildings. And- yeah, everything we've seen since has been closer to Bright Tree Village. Mm-hmm. Yes. Suck at Ewoks, you and your little tree houses. Yeah. No, the the Kashyyyk, the cities in Kashyyyk here are, like you said, they're giant metropolises. They just happen to be in the trees, which I think is really cool. I'll say this. I'm not a fan of the Wookiee that has a speech impediment that lets him speak basic. Yeah. Yeah. That's dumb. <laughs> that was, that's just, that's just kind of silly. <laughs> like I know he needed a way to communicate for Leia to communicate with him. She hasn't picked up any of their speech hanging around Chewbacca. Yeah. She's been with Chewie for nine years. Yeah. <laughs> Surely she's picked up something. I like Mara Jade. I've always liked Mara Jade. Um, you know, I think just based on this book, it, it's hard to separate yeah. her from this book and everything that happens. Jason, you son of a bitch. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I mean, I think I can see why people didn't like her when this started. Um, you know, the... And even back then, I'm sure, you know, pre-internet days, but I can hear like the, oh, you're telling me the emperor had a secret assassin that we never saw and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah. 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 That's what we're telling you. Yeah. You don't think Sheev had some assassins? Come on. Well, that's before we knew Sheev's whole game was having side chicks to Vader <laughs> the entire time. That's the thing, man. We didn't. We knew nothing. He knew nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's just hard to wrap my head around the fact that nobody knew anything when this book came out. Mm-hmm. You know, so so there are references to the Clone Wars that seem that are that don't quite hold up canon wise. There are some references in here that don't that don't work. I think you're right. Like I would have loved to have seen this. Like I don't I don't necessarily think we should have gone back and made the movies. By the time this was made, it was impossible to make those movies. But this future does seem a little more hopeful. <laughs> Yeah. Despite yeah. all the evil shit happening, it still seems more hopeful than the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Which granted is much later. And in the expanded universe around the time of the sequel trilogy, things also got real bad. It's not that different, I guess. I mean, I could definitely see this working as a movie. Or as um, a Disney plus television show. Possibly. Yeah. Uh, t- Tim- Timothy's on the, the buyout had just happened when I was talking to him and he had ideas for uh, X-Wing show he wanted the adventures of Mara Jade. He had ways for all of them to, all of his characters to turn up and still fit into everything, all right. plotted out. And I'm sure he had some inkling because at that point they had to have been talking to him about, you know, or at least shortly after that, talking to him about doing something with Thrawn because Rebels wasn't too far after that. Yeah, I'm sure they'd already approached him. I mean, I guess they don't have to approach him, to be fair. They don't, but. I mean, you put Filoni in charge. He's gonna he's gonna do people right. Is it hard to detach Mara Jade, like this book's Mara Jade, from all of Mara Jade because she's Luke's wife? Yes. 
That's yeah. pretty much the main thing, right? Is that she ends up marrying Luke. Mm-hmm. And this is the beginning of that. I Well, I thought about, too, like, you know, Mara Jade showing up and not being Luke's wife. Like, what is the point of her? I don't dislike her as a character, but I'm just trying to fi- figure out, like, can she just be, could they just make her like a untrained Jedi out there with the Force and not really knowing how to use it? I'm, that might be interesting. I mean, they could bring the character in. They just couldn't do the romance. Well, no, no, she can't be Luke's wife. Well, but then how, how, who is she? She's just somebody with force powers. I think you could bring her in with a relationship with Luke. You could. There's, there's years we don't know about. It's true. Yeah. And it seems like this is why the timeline. Okay, here we go back to sequel world. This is why the timeline doesn't make sense. Like he's only starting to build his temple. We see in Mandalorian. Sorry, Book of Boba Fett. (laughs) He's only starting to build his temple. Then that's five years later. What has he been doing in the meantime? And then we still got another 25 years Uh and they make it act like, and they act in the prequels that like Kylo killed off his first class. But why is this, why was his first class still in school 25 years later? Like that, that's what doesn't make any sense to me. So where are the Jedi that he trained before this generation that Kylo killed? Well, he made him pick between a lightsaber and a shirt. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) I mean, what about the kids who didn't have somebody to show up with a shirt? You just screwed? Uh, That timeline still doesn't make any sense. And I don't know if they're ever going to dive into it because I don't think they can make it make sense. Uh Because I just don't think it does. I I don't think they're going to expend the energy it would take to make it make sense. I've been reading Star Wars expanded universe fiction and not long enough to know that if there are nooks and crannies, they'll eventually get there. This is 25 years of story that they are currently, you know, 30 years between between Jedi and, and um, Force Awakens. They're they're already telling that story some, right? That's what Mandalorian is. That's what Ahsoka is going to be. That's what bringing in Sabine is going to be. All this stuff is post Return of the Jedi story. That they're yeah. telling. Well, the, the fact that they're casting someone to play an actual Luke rather than the, the deep fake Luke. Maybe they're, maybe they're going to delve more into it. I don't know. The Shadow of the Sith book that's coming out this year, I think is going to be real telling for what they want to do. Right. So, you know, that's the, the Luke and Lando yeah. book, yeah, that takes place then. It's about them looking for Ochi. Mm-hmm. Right. The mysterious mission that for some reason Luke brought Lando with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, what makes you go to Lando when you have a vision of Exegol and you're like, you know who I need? A, a guy with a cape. cape. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they had to get him in the movie somehow. Uh-huh. He had to get in the movie somehow. Well, I feel like every mission could benefit from a cape or two. So I think we're going to have to read the other two because I'm not uh-huh. satisfied, though. It was a- <laughs> Seeing to be continued in the Star Wars book is so weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it does. It does say to be continued, but it was odd. It's a it's a planned trilogy, and so we're definitely going to get to over the next month or two. We're going to finish off this trilogy, I think. And I think you're right, Beth. I think Outbound Flight needs to go on that list too. I don't want it to become a Zon cast, but well, I mean, it is. He's kind of a big deal. He's pretty important. No, he is. And reading this book made me just want to go back and read the others. But uh, that's not what we're going to do next time. What are we going to do next time? Well, next time we're going to talk about. The end of the, what is it, phase one, wave one? Phase what? one. Phase one. The end of phase one of the first wave of the High Republic. Boy, that's confusing. But we will be reading Midnight Horizon by Daniel Jose Older. 
I will say for this book, if you are not a comic reader, you need to read the 12 issues of the IDW Star Wars Adventures. Yeah, High Republic Adventures. Yeah. Because that's all the characters. That's where a lot of the plot comes from. Yeah, important safety tip. Thanks, Egon. <laughs> all right. Well, until then, uh, thank you guys. And thanks, everyone, for sticking with us for two years. And if you haven't been sticking with us for two years, you've got a lot of listening to do to get caught up. And if you quit a while back, fuck you. (laughs) They'll never hear that anyway. You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh. Roger, roger.